All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Week. Hope you're doing amazing. And I'm here right next to me to the gorgeous Kerry Coleman from Tassie. Um, right behind her, as you can see, is her super duper book, The Superpower Lunchbox. But let me give you guys a little close up of her book. Here it is. Um, this is actually from her website. I have an even better picture. Here we go. Five easy steps for busy parents like you to feed your kids well. Well, <laughs> I am so interested in this topic, um, Kerry, because that's one thing that, um, uh, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a parent of three children, primary school and one in high school. And you yourself have raised your own children. But let me give you give these guys the official introduction in terms of who you are. And then we'll get stuck into some uh, gold nuggets you're going to share with us. Well, Carrie, guys, Carrie Coleman has had a broad life experience um, and she's done many, many things. But the most relevant things that are connected to her book is that um, she's an integrative nutrition health coach um, and an early year school teacher, educator of office in a child and family center. And she has also raised her own children over the last 35 years, and she has supported families of young children in, um, in their years. So uh, she entered the world in, of teaching after graduating at 52 and found that much of her time was spent uh, managing her students' behaviours. So she studied integrative uh, nutrition health coaching and where she learned uh, what she learned helped with her own health. But along the way, she made the connection between what she was seeing in school lunchboxes and the peaks and slumps in energy and moodiness of the kids in her classes. So over a decade of teaching and working with young families, she also discovered that many parents may not fully understand their role as first educators of their children and is passionate about encouraging parents of young children in that role. So she kind of wants to pass on this message uh, that it doesn't have to be complicated, like it can be simple. And she's got those five steps um, that she's pulled together, you know, in her book. So good morning, Kerry, and it's great to see you. Good morning, Nat, and thanks for having me today. Well, you and I met, great to be I think, was it about 18 months ago we met? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. yeah. Tell me a little bit about, let's rewind the clock back, um, you know, how long had you been thinking about writing this book um, before we met and or was it was it because we met, this, uh, I gave you the confidence to finally get it done? I think I'd been dreaming about writing a book for a really long time and I didn't quite know what the book was going to be mm -hmm. and um, and then um, I, I decided I couldn't keep teaching with the way things were and keep turning up at school wasn't going to make a difference, yeah. you know. And so I decided that maybe if I could write a book about it, um, I'd be able to talk to people about what was happening and be a voice for the kids and for the teachers because I know a lot of teachers are struggling out there with um, a range of all sorts of crazy behaviours in there classrooms and we ask children to to manage those behaviors but the food we're feeding them makes that very difficult for them so that's really so how good. have you had an interest in food and nutrition um for a really long time since I was probably about 13 um when I went to high school and started home ec I really loved the theory side of it as well as the cooking 
and I cooked with my nan before that. And um, yeah, I found it really interesting, the theory behind cooking and, um, you know, the how much food affects our wellness. But I, my life's been up and down around that. There's been a lot of, you know, I've struggled with my own health because of food addictions at different times. So um, I understand how hard it is for people to contemplate change and um, to make change. It's difficult and you need support to do it. Yeah. You need a big why. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, um, you know, as you say, you know, so what do are we commonly seeing in kids' lunchboxes that then led you to go, no, I need to have a say or, like, you know, write, write about this? What are mm -hmm. the things that we're seeing? What's the most Well, I, I suppose um, to put it in a nutshell, I saw a lot of food that wasn't real food, a lot of packaged foods, um, factory-produced foods and... Um, you know, I know that the advertising for them is really super, but when you turn the packets over and look at what's in them, you can see um, lots of different additives and um, lots of sugar in most of them. And many of these things do affect children's behaviour. Yes. So, um, or can, <laughs> you know, there's, no, there's nothing definitive, but, you know, it's suspected very strongly that these things have an impact. And I think most teachers out there can see that happen. So the average child's lunchbox these days has between two and four packets in it. So, and, of course, it's quick and it's easy, but it also makes the lunchbox look full and it doesn't leave room then for enough real food for the children so yeah it's a bit of a perfect storm really <laughs> yeah yeah you throw in this packet that packet and all that yeah yeah. yeah well I spoke to someone the other day and they told me um, they're actually working in the health industry now but they had been so excited about their child starting kinder because they'd be able to go and buy lunchbox foods from the supermarket, you know, and it had been, it's been marketed so heavily and so well that people really think it's good food, <laughs> you know, they really believe that. So, so what should we be putting in their lunchbox? Tell what me. Should, <laughs> what should you be putting in? Real food. So whole grain, whole grain sandwiches with cheese or meat, you know, with protein, eggs, yes. um, because that sustains them. It takes longer to digest and, um, <clears throat> pardon me, and their bodies know how to use those foods fruit vegetables please 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 more vegetables in children's lunch boxes because across the board in australia only 90 sorry only six percent of people are eating enough vegetables for good health yeah. and that includes our children so if you take 100 children 94 of those are not getting enough vegetables in their day-to-day -day food and i think a lot of that's because um, we've become used to eating cereals at breakfast. It's really a grain-based meal in our culture. Yeah. And um, if they don't get some at lunchtime, then it's only a little bit at dinner time. maybe. It's just not enough for good health. In other cultures, they have vegetables at every meal. And, you know, um, it would be really great if we could open our minds to the idea of having vegetables at breakfast time as well. It's all food, so we, there's no real rules over when we should have it. 
yeah. but it does need to be real food, real fruit, real vegetables, all the colours of the rainbow. Yes. For good health. Yeah, it makes sense. It's common sense, but it's not very. It is common sense. Yes, yes, but we've lost it, lost you know, it. because um, now uh, a lot of young parents have had, you know, they may be this at least the second, maybe the third generation um, with supermarket shelves absolutely full of processed foods. Um, those of us that are a bit older only saw the beginning of that really in the seventies and the eighties, but. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's really entrenched and there's many, many more to choose from. And the advertising, again, is just so good that we believe it's real food mm, yeah. and good for us. So. so how do we also then deal, like say someone wants to make a change from hearing this interview and yeah. kind of go, yeah, guilty of that, I've been doing that, I need to change. But then there's that resistance from the child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, of course there is, and that peer pressure because, you know, all the other kids have it, so why can't I and that sort of thing. I think it's um, whilst we need to understand that it's not the best thing for our child to eat, to actually demonise it is not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so the ideal, at least to begin with, is just to minimise it. So, you know, if if you've got two packets back to one packet and replace that with some vegetables or an extra piece of fruit. But yeah. um, the other thing that I found really helpful with my own children was to cut things up at dinner time or lunch and have it in the middle of the table, not to actually serve a meal on their plate and allow them to choose what they would eat. And it's amazing what a bit of autonomy like that can do for children. They will sometimes try something they haven't tried before mm -hmm. the other thing is to um to not give up if you're going to do that and, and offer children something new to eat keep offering it even if they say I don't like it but don't put it on their plate put it in the middle of the table and you keep eating it and and um eventually eventually they will try some new things but um even when they taste something and say they don't like it it takes um, between seven and 12 times at least to really know whether you like the taste of something yes. especially with children because their taste buds are developing so um, yeah keep, don't give up just keep offering it but don't fight over it and don't force it and don't push it just have it there I like that I like the put it in front of them like you know cut up lots of different things and let them choose and keep yeah. putting it out there. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's a very good mindset uh, shift, you know, because if you, <laughs> put it, if you put it on their plate, you almost feel forced that I have to have this. Yeah. Um, I like that one. And um, that idea about, of, yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, talk to me about breakfast club at school. Um, and what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Um, what are schools doing that you're seeing that, that you know what's good and what can improve okay I think some are doing a good job but um, in my own experience I saw um, schools are trying to step up when children turn up hungry they need to have something to eat to start their day and um, most of them seem to offer white bread toast with bulk pack cheap margarine 
um, and jam or Vegemite and then perhaps a, some milk with Milo in it. And the issue with that, whilst it does put something in their tummies, which is excellent, um, a lot of that converts almost instantly to sugar. So the children go off to class and, you know, their sugar levels are, re are really peaking. And um, then when that comes down again and crashes, they have an energy slump and they can't concentrate. Sometimes they feel teary or, you know, upset or, you know, they're poking their body because they're just agitated, you know, they're not settled. So um, the ideal is to offer foods that stabilise blood sugars, so foods that take longer to digest Whole, whole grain whole bread grain. or whole meal, whole meal bread is a good start um, and eggs or, you know, something a bit more solid, fruit and, again, vegetables. <laughs> and yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't know how many breakfast clubs there are out there offering children vegetables. But, you know, if, if you serve a dip with it, mm. um, you know, children will often be very happy to eat those and, and to make it normal. So they're there all the time. For a lot of our children, these things are not normal. So yeah. they they are, are worried about that. And, you know, so schools are in a, you know, in a unique position really to offer that to children so that they get used to seeing that as normal. Yeah, because if you, like, you know, it all depends, like families are different from one another, right? And yeah. if they one family like kind of always gave their, their uh, children like, you know, vegetables and all that, you know, all the good stuff that the child thinks this is just how people eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And this is where what we were saying, you know, the resistance can come up because you've now you've trained or you've gotten used to or built up those habits around say packaged food. And then it's like, you're changing it. And, you know, like anyone else, you know, they don't like change. You know, um, especially if, you know, I guess they don't want to like uh, admit, oh, I'm eating healthy, like healthy, maybe it's a dirty word when you're a child, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I had yeah. someone say to me the other day that they had a child with sensory issues that really just loves the packet and they love to open the packet. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, how do you help someone in that situation? Because homemade, home-baked, where you know what's going into the thing is so much better because you can manage the amounts of sugar and, you know, make sure your ingredients are good, good food. Um, and I know that you can get little cellophane bags, you know, from some of the discount shops quite inexpensively. Yeah. And I thought maybe you could actually bake your biscuits and put them in you know that so they still have that sensory yes. sound of the packet there are ways to solve those individual sort of problems but it does take I mean it starts with a parent's attitude and um, you know if they're really determined to do what's best for their child they'll find little ways to tweak things we yes. don't want to you know just throw everything out and, and you know shock the poor child and, and yeah. bring up that resistance that's not helpful yeah yeah you've got to remain creative and make it fun as well I think if you can do that then they're more willing to play along and yeah. uh, all that so t tell me about um a super sleuth shopper what what does that mean and what is it that means that um with the packet foods, we start to get a bit canny and and ask what's in it. So 
the, the, with packet food, the front is always very enticing. It's fun, it's colourful, it's exciting. It's backed up by marketing on TV and so on and in magazines and, and you know, lots of places you see it. So um, that doesn't tell us what's actually in that food. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to turn the packet over and have a look at what's in the ingredients list, yeah. which is on the back end and um, near the nutritional panel. It's usually underneath or to the side of it. And when once you start looking there, you can see that often an innocent little, you know, chicken-flavoured, crackers of some sort might have 17 or 18 ingredients because the um, the factory made foods it's a food science and they put in all sorts of flavor enhancers and and different um, chemicals that make us want to eat it it gives us a bliss you know a blissful feeling when we eat them pardon me not because it's good for us but but it is just about that taste and the texture, you know, the crunchiness, yeah. that kind of thing. So, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm training with the, uh, <clears throat> dear me, training with um, a company called The Root Cause at the moment and um, their rule of thumb is to count the ingredients and if there are more than six, put it back on the shelf because it's a long way from, nature nature packages things ready for our bodies to use them and if you think about an apple that has one ingredient apple um you know and the more that you get the more processed that food is so that's the first thing and then to um look at those top five or six ingredients if sugar comes in the first three to five then um you know it's got a really heavy sugar load so that's probably worth thinking about putting back and looking for a better one because there are products there that have less ingredients and less sugar. So it's just being canny and having a look, you know, curious about what's in in the packet foods. Yeah, don't just pick it up and put it in the trolley. Have a a look at that. Have a look, have a look, ask what's in it. And and the other part of being a super sleuth shopper is, is to shop um seasonal and shop local as much as possible um that cuts down that footprint on you know the carbon footprint and travel miles for food and uh because you know most of us here in Australia can get anything at any time of year because it's transported from even from the United States or elsewhere um so Mm. Um, our bodies are tuned in to eat what's in season locally and that's more economical usually as well so you know look out for those roadside stalls if you're lucky enough to live in an area where they have them because that's locally grown and and, you know a good price and to share to try um, shopping with a friend maybe or a couple of friends and buy in bulk Mm. um, rather than you know, especially if you're trying something new with the kids, you know, you don't want to go and buy five kilos of something and then find they don't like it and you've got all this food left over. So if you do it with some friends, then you can share the cost and yeah. make it work that way. Hmm. So what do you think is then the first step for parents in working out what to do to best nourish their kids and themselves? If you were to give people a starting point. <clears throat> a starting point is just to have a look at what you're doing now and ask if there might be a better way um, to have a serious look at how, how often vegetables are showing up 
in in yeah. their meals and um yeah just to see if there's a small change that they can make start small. One, one small step yeah one step. Add change something else maybe in two or four weeks and just keep yeah. building up to that yeah, yeah. other than cold turkey <laughs> you know? yeah yeah just start small start simple start with something that you yourself can can accommodate so that the child sees you being happy with it with eating a bit more you know if you're going to add one extra vegetable at dinner time or at breakfast and, and you be happy eating it then they are likely to come around to that even if they're not on board right at the beginning yeah I'm going to try that thing where you put the put it in front and everyone can pick from it it's like, it's like a grazing board, Nat. You know how popular yeah, know. grazing boards are yeah. now. So you're doing that, but with the family meal. Yes. So I, I think um, we probably got into the habit of dividing things up to make sure everyone got enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, years ago, that was possibly the, the thought behind it. Um, but it's actually quite a fun way to eat a meal, oh. to put it in the middle and let it's people... It's like a communal, isn't it, like everyone? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and having some dip there that they can put some of that on their plate as well and dip the vegetables in it, you know, Yeah. especially if you know what they might like in that in that way. Mm, some hummus and some What are some of your intentions now with the book? How do you hope to spread the message? What do you think <clears> out there? Well, I'm, the training I'm doing with the root cause will take me back into schools mm -hmm. um, and to uh, talking to parent groups and so on. So I will tell them about my book as well. Um, I'm hoping that um, maybe some principals or parents and friends groups or mothering groups might like me to come along and have a chat with them. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I just want, to, want people to be talking about it more. Yes. Um, you know, we tend to, it tends to be a bit of a taboo subject mm -hmm. and um, teachers have hugged me and thanked me, um, cried, thank you for doing something because they're just so um, frustrated. Teachers keep getting sent off for more training for behaviour management, but it's not solving the problem. So I want to try and you know, get to the bottom of it. And I there are lots sure. of other other people working on it. So, yeah, I'm joining the throng. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The root cause is like, you know, it's what's in our food and are we moving and all that kind of stuff rather than, you know, looking for other Band-Aid approaches. That yeah, are yeah. And, issues. Yeah, and, and Nat, I know that um, part of your program with um, writing a book, you know, encourages people to do, online programs and things to support that and I was thinking that that's what I would be looking at doing but then I discovered the root cause and their programs were just so good I decided to train with them rather than doing my own yeah, yeah. it was just awesome brilliant so yeah, yeah. you've got an alignment of values yes um, what will people get out of having a read of your book if they grab the book today um, you know will they get, get I guess a, a lot more detail behind what we've been chat, chatting about today yeah, lots of ideas about how to um, tackle that change. Um, there are sample menus and um, so on. It's not a cookbook. Um, there, there's so much out there already in the way of cookbooks and websites. I don't need to tell you how to make something, but 
apart from my Swiss muesli recipe that's in there and that's pretty awesome but, but um, also lots of tips around planning and organisation for children cooking um, cooking with children um, how how that can enhance their literacy and numeracy skills so a lot around supporting children and their learning with things that you can do at home simple things and um, putting structure around things so that they can do what you want them to do because often we say to kids oh you know go and clean your room up but there's no starting point for them and there's just overwhelm and there's no organization there so they need those those things in place to help them learn how to be good organizers and and so system, right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they're not gonna make it up on their own and and they're doing the best they can so exactly. you know, i i noticed um for years we, we always do um decluttering all the time and once a year we do a big one where we go through every single drawer and all that and now the girls are seven and ten i don't have to even check them like they know how to declutter drawers and and they do it even initiated more than I would expect them to. Oh, yeah. right, we're doing mission declutter, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, and, and they get up, the girls get up in the morning and they're getting their lunch boxes ready. We um, we don't um, need to do all of that. It's like that whole morning routine, but you've got to put the system in place. And yeah, it's about training, isn't it, Matt? You need to train them. And, you know, some people might find that, um an unpleasant thought to train your children to be or to do certain things but it really helps them if you can train them how to take responsibility for some of those things um, so the book's got tips in it that would be helpful for new parents or expectant parents yeah um, and families with young children yeah, uh, start earlier you won't have to muck around with resistance afterwards or, <laughs> that's it, exactly if we can yeah yeah that's it yeah. if you've got that mindset before the baby arrives then you're ready to go you know rather than yeah. having some of those um less helpful habits yeah. in place um and then it can be harder to change them but not impossible it's never too late to change mm. i agree and for anybody in for that matter you know not children so tell me a little bit about the process of going through and writing the book you <clears> you took a you know you didn't do it uh, super fast but you still got there you've got the book in hand um tell me about how it was for you um it was amazing um right at the start Nat you said that it's not about the book it's about who you become while you're going through the process of writing the book and certainly for me that's been a huge um part of it that the, the uh, personal growth that I've had to yeah push through you know so much resistance um to be able to do this because I, I know that it's not a popular thing to talk about and I felt like I really needed to um yeah and my um my organizational skills and procrastination and all of that stuff came into it you know that I, I still struggle with some of those things but I'm getting better and it feels like such a big achievement to have actually written the book and the support was amazing I just needed to learn to ask for help yeah I agree <laughs> yeah. and I think you you know you you noticed some of the things like you know procrastination and delaying or all the thoughts that every first-time author has am I good enough you know who am I 
you know, to, to share this expertise and all that, but, you know, you pulled it together and you have a product that you should be super proud of. Um, it's going to make a huge difference. So I'll share where people can, um, I'll show you a book on screen. You can hold it up as well. Show us one of the real copies that you've got there at your end. There it there is. It is. <laughs> Super Power Lunchbox, guys. And Kerry does have her own website where she has the book. Uh, it's just under her name, Kerry Coleman, K E R R Y, and then C O L E M A N dot com dot au. And you can see there the, the book, and you can buy it, and the beautiful vegetables that are showcased <laughs> there. Uh, and I'm sure if you get a copy uh, directly from Kerry, she'll even sign it for you and um, and send it across. If not, of course, you can look up the book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of those on online yeah. great retail yeah. stores that sell it as well. Yeah, the ebooks on Amazon as well, so that e-book, can be an yeah. option for people that don't want to add to their bookshelves. Yeah, that's true. But I think this this book um, would be a really good reference point, you know, to physically have, you know, to have so it. Can write in the margins and underline things. And yes, please, please do that. If you get a copy, circle things and come back to them for sure. Yeah. I know when I like I've got stuff in the kitchen or certain things or even recipes, you know, I've got a whole folder and I want stuff out, you know, to look at and um, and that's really helpful. But then again, on an iPad, you can also open things up and flick yeah. through and highlight and all that sort of stuff. So yes. I'm super happy. I can't wait to see where you are now in the next six or 12 months and how you uh, continue to share this message, Kerry. I think yeah. we've picked up some great little pointers and tips, not just, I reckon, for even kids' lunchboxes, even for ourselves and what yeah. we can do as a family, right? Mm-hmm. We all need to eat more vegetables. <laughs> that's, that's my catch cry now. Eat more vegetables. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's yeah. true. And and you I know when we eat well, we have so much more energy. We don't have the ups and downs and ups and downs. I mean, just think of Christmas time and when we get into that indulgence period of probably two or three weeks and how sluggish. We feel at the end of it. I, I know when when I came back from the Gold Coast back to Melbourne, I got out back into like a good routine. And when I eat light and eat lots of vegetables, then I am a peak performance as well. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, our, um, bodies, our, our bodies are designed to work on those foods from nature. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it. Uh, guys, go and check out Kerry's book, The Superpower Lunchbox, and let's uh, let's bring in great nutrition thank into our, our children's uh, lunchboxes. Thank you, Kerry, and everybody else. Thanks so I will smash up this amazing week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.